What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Gadget Reason Radio. My name is Sean. I'm your host. And you're either listening to this on Anchor FM or via a podcast. Either way, thanks for coming back or thanks for tuning in. If you've already favorited the station or subscribed to the podcast, I really appreciate it. It means a lot. Um, make sure that you guys follow me on social media. You can find me pretty much on all platforms at Gadget Reason. Leave me some comments about the show or about anything interesting going on in your tech universe. I, I love to hear people's stories about what they're doing with technology. And, uh, I wanted to start off talking a little bit about yesterday and what uh, it was kind of an exciting day. So I love nothing more than waking up in the morning and looking at my aftership uh, notification tracking list and seeing uh, a bunch of packages are being delivered. That's always a good good morning. Feels like Christmas morning. Um, if you don't, if you're not familiar with aftership, it's a uh, it's an application that's available for iOS. I think it's also available for Android. That just lets you dump in all of your tracking numbers from various packages, and it can be uh, ingoing or outgoing. So if you're shipping stuff out a lot, um, you can put those in there as well and uh, you can label them. So rather than looking at a bunch of tracking numbers or having to go to a bunch of individual shipping companies' websites to to look at your tracking information, you can get them all in one spot and you can track individual packages by by their name. So if you titled something, you know, new MacBook Pro or, you know, my new, you know, my new Samsung Galaxy Galaxy S8 is coming in the mail and you want to label it that, you can look really quickly and see what packages are coming when. But um, yesterday I got my notification that my uh, Colorware limited edition NES themed Joy-Cons for the Nintendo Switch were being delivered uh, yesterday. So that was a a pretty exciting day. I've been waiting for these for a while. um, And much to my enthusiasm and excitement, I did open the package to realize that I did get my order in fast enough to get one of the limited uh, numbered versions, which was that they made a limited run of 25. The first 25 were numbered 1 through 25. And I got 23 out of 25. So I I just barely got my order in before, uh, before they um, got to that cutoff point. So um, these things look incredible. If you're not familiar with Colorware, um, I'll leave a link here in this segment so you can uh, go check out their website. I mean, just be forewarned, everything there is really expensive. Uh, they do mark things up quite a bit for the work they do, but I can definitely speak to the quality and their work is fantastic. Um, I don't I don't work for Colorware. I'm not sponsored by them. They don't pay me for this, uh, this little um, advertisement, if you want to call it that, this little um, promotion. But um, I'm just a huge fan of what they do. Um, I love anybody who puts a lot of skill into their craft, and they have definitely got um, painting, custom coloring, and painting, uh, you know, tech tech products and electronics down to a science. I mean, they put as much work into these as uh, most body shops put into painting a car. I mean, they disassemble the whole thing, they they sand it, clean it, you know, prep it for paint, and then uh, the paint work is fantastic. But these uh, these ones in particular were their. Uh, NES themed Joy-Cons, so they made the uh, the Switch Joy-Con controllers look basically exactly like the old NES uh, controller with the gray and the black centerpiece, and um, the buttons are all red. Um, really, really cool. If you haven't seen them, check them out on their website. It's awesome. I haven't been able to stop looking at these things for uh, for you know the last day and a half now. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable what a job they did. Um, so yeah, that was pretty cool. Another interesting news yesterday was the Nintendo sales skyrocketed. If you listened to the tech download yes- yesterday, you probably heard me talking about that. Um, but that's really exciting for anybody out there who's not only a Nintendo fan, but if you bought a Nintendo Switch, um, you know, it's good to know that it's selling well because that's how you know developers are going to jump on board and uh, more and more good content will be coming to the Switch and you don't have to worry about being, uh, becoming abandonware like the uh, the Wii U did pretty quickly. So so that's pretty cool. Um, you know, I, I, love, uh, I love gaming. I've always been a gamer, but um, the Nintendo Switch is something a little bit different. I, I think even people that aren't hardcore gamers can really appreciate um, the time savings that comes from being able to take 
you know, take a home console that you're playing on your TV one minute and, you know, pull it out of the dock and take it with you on, you know, as you're getting on a train or, you know, getting on a plane or whatever and being able to play, um, you know, beyond that is pretty awesome. So uh, what else happened yesterday? I ordered my Essential phone. So that's something. The uh, If you're not familiar with that one either, that's the, uh, the Essential phone is the new sort of flagship powerhouse phone from uh, Andy Rubin, who's one of the uh, developers of Android. So uh, he broke off and did his own thing. And uh, the uh, the Essential phone looks pretty gorgeous. It's got some great specs as well. So I'm pretty excited to get that thing in and start doing a review uh, of that for, you know, I'll mention it here as well as on my YouTube channel. Um, also really excited that I fixed the audio issues with my anchor recording and uh, the podcast sound quality. So if you're listening to this here uh, broadcast, I'm sure you you picked up on this one and yesterday sound much, much better. And, um, you know, maybe that's the reason why I made it into the top 500 on the uh, anchor rankings yesterday, but pro- probably not, though. Uh, so I have a couple of products that I'm currently in the process of reviewing. Uh, so the DJI Spark I've had since launch day, uh, I got the Fly More combo on that one. And uh, I've been doing a lot of testing with it, traveling with it, seeing what the experience of using it day in, day out is like compared to uh, I have the Mavic Pro and I've, I've had other um, DJI drones like the, uh, the Phantom series. So um, the DJI Spark does so many things right and is uh, such a useful tool for anybody who's um, new to the drone you know, drone hobby or, or new to uh, getting drone footage and photography is it's really a, a great entry point. And uh, believe it or not, you know, a lot of the content that you can make with it is is really high quality, even though it's only the 1080p and all that. Um, I'll talk more about that in my review, but it's um it's a great it's a great product. I, I think the DJI did a really good job, um, as they always do. They have uh, a lot of safety features. A lot of the technology that's been used in their bigger, more expensive drones has been packed into this little tiny thing. You know, I will say one thing: you you really can't get a feel for how small the Spark is until you've seen it in person. Um, everybody that I've shown it to has been literally floored at uh, at just how small it is. I mean, you see it in pictures and, and you kind of have a reference, but when you open the package and you see how small it is and and how much. Uh, quality and power they packed into this tiny little thing all the technology it's really incredible um all the follow me modes and um tracking and uh the built-in uh the, the you know things like droney and the rocket mode where it does this autonomous little cool um automated flight path it was just really really good stuff they did a did a great job so i'm reviewing that um i like to do my reviews based on a little bit longer time than a lot of other uh a lot of, a lot of other tech reviewers out there I'm also testing out another unique product right now, uh, the Air Video. Um, this is a product from a couple of guys from the Netherlands. Um, they came up with the idea, put it on Kickstarter. It was very successful, and it's now gone into a uh, full production product. I usually don't do the Kickstarter and Indiegogo thing because it uh, usually just doesn't pan out, but uh, this one seems pretty low-risk investment. It was not too expensive to buy, and uh, I figured because the tech was relatively low-key, I figured they'd be able to make this product work um, in terms of getting funding to manufacture it. It's not like producing a uh, electronics and tech products. So, um, but you know, you basically, you throw your GoPro inside this little Nerf football looking thing, and it gives your GoPro some wings that you can use to, uh, to toss your GoPro around. You can throw it, uh, throw it around with a buddy or throw it straight up in the air and catch it and get some cool aerial looking for photography and video footage without having to use a drone. And, uh, that's the most compelling thing about it is, uh, you know, I think drones right now, there's just a lot of a lot of hassle with drones still. Every time you pull a drone out, you get a bunch of yahoos looking at you like you're like you're killing somebody's cat. Uh, <laughs> there's just a lot of people that give you dirty looks. And uh, and obviously you still have a lot of regulatory issues being worked out with drones. There's a lot of places where you can't fly, can't fly drones without risking getting a, a ticket or whatever. So this is going to be kind of a, you know, an extra accessory to use when you want to get some cool 
um, shots showing the surrounding that you're at and you just can't use uh, can't use a drone like for instance I was at Golden Gate Park a couple of weeks ago in San Francisco and you cannot use a, a drone anywhere near the Golden Gate Bridge and so um, yeah using the air video was 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 a pretty cool it was nice having that available to me as opposed to just having a drone and then obviously I'm still reviewing the the colorware joy cons that I just got yesterday I'll be doing a full video review of those it'll probably be short obviously there's not much to say beyond the actual um, the finish and the and the way that the production of the actual paint and and all the customization did you know went there's really nothing else beyond that it's still just a regular Joy-Con so um, I'll do a quick little review on that as well so let's talk about uh, let's talk about home theater setups for just a second here so if there's one thing that I wish I could share with more people it's the enormous amount of experience that I have with putting together really nice sounding home theater setups for you know on a, on a tighter budget you know something basically building home theater setups that fit the size room and and basically your specific needs and expectations and i really wish more people knew about this type of stuff because i can't tell you how many times i go to somebody's house and see their gorgeous you know 65 inch tv and but they were they're watching their you know their favorite show their sports their movies through uh you know a sound bar and and if you're lucky a sound bar and a wireless subwoofer you know woohoo you know like it, it's really funny how many people really don't don't know what they're missing. My wife is actually a lot like that. You know, she'd, she'd gladly watch Game of Thrones on the, the TV's internal crappy little speaker if I wasn't around to, to say otherwise. So, you know, a lot of people just don't know what they're missing. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I find really interesting is um, if you ask people, you know, how come they don't have a better home theater setup, setup um, most of the time it's just because they don't know how to do it. You know, it seems intimidating or just the cost. You know, most people would be really surprised um, to find out what my current main home theater room setup is where I play my games and, and watch my sports and all that. I think most people would probably be surprised not only at what I what I spent, but at um, at exactly which products I'm using. So I'm gonna go ahead and give you guys a little a little tip on, on what my home theater setup is right now. So I'm currently running a 4K setup in my in my main gaming room and, and the sort of TV home theater room. And uh, my 4K TV that I that I selected was the Vizio M70D3. Now, this might surprise a lot of people, you know, being a, a tech person, uh, someone who's like a, a gadget nerd obsessed with visuals and audio and all that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of people probably be surprised that I chose the Vizio. But, um, you know, long story short, I narrowed it down to two TVs that fit most of what I was looking for. And when I weighed out the, the type of viewing room that I'd be using and also what TV size I was coming from before making the upgrade to 4K, I knew that I needed to go somewhere around 70 inches. I had an 85 inch projector as my main gaming setup and, uh, and movie watching setup before. So I knew I was gonna be going down in size to get a 4K. And so I made it a point to, um, to really make sure that I was getting something that would not feel like too big of a compromise. And for my room size and everything else, I, I, you know, I really wanted to stick with you know, something around 70 inches. And so I wanted something that had HDR capabilities, um, but I, you know, I was willing to make a little bit of a sacrifice on the HDR performance of the Vizio versus say the Samsung to get the extra five inches in size. And you know, for some people that might not be the case. Some people, the, the extra HDR performance specs on the Samsung might've been a better way to, uh, to go. I also, uh, I stuck with, rather than upgrading my home theater receiver, I stuck with my older, slightly older receiver. Um, that's just 5.1 Dolby Digital. I think that, you know, jumping into 7.1 is um, a waste of money for most people. 
unless you have a dedicated, a truly dedicated home theater room. Um, you know, the 7.1 thing, most people probably can't hear the difference. And I know that a lot of audiophiles or home theater gurus out there would probably disagree with me, but for most people, um, a 5.1, a really good 5.1 setup is gonna be better than what most people have anyway. So, you know, I bought uh, my front channel speakers are, you know, some pioneers. They're nothing really fancy, but it's a, a three speaker tower. It's got three uh, five inch woofers um, and some bass ports on the back. And for my setup, it sounds really, really good. Even when you turn the subwoofer off, these have really good bass response, good highs. The, the tweeters and the mid-range speakers sound really, really good. Um, nothing, nothing mind blowing, you know, I'm not gonna set any home theater uh, aficionados on fire with this one, but um, definitely sounds good. And then I bought uh, some really interesting speakers for my rear surrounds and my center channel. In my opinion, these are the best kept secrets in the speaker world. And uh, you can read a lot of reviews on these on Amazon or other places, but I'm using the Mica bookshelf speakers and the Mica center channel speaker for my um, center channel. These speakers are ridiculously cheap. I mean, they are so cheap that it seems uh, ludicrous. I mean, it uh, it really seems like you're buying something that would be absolutely horrible, but you cannot judge uh, a book by its price, apparently, in this case. So um, if you ever have a chance to grab some of these Micah speakers, um, definitely go check them out. Just do an Amazon search for Micah, M-I-C-C-A, Micah speakers, and um, you know, even just buy them, listen to them, and then if you don't like them, send them back. But I, I can honestly tell you, they make fantastic surround sound speakers. Um, they have a decent amount of bass to them and really good sounding, clear sounding highs, um, nothing too sharp and pitchy. Um, but they're really great for their price, and as surround sound speakers, they work they work really well. And and they make a center channel speaker that is basically the same same exact speaker configuration as the as the ones that I'm using as my rears. But they have two of the uh, the carbon fiber woofers in them instead of one. Just I mean, really really decent sound for such a ridiculously low price and you really just you can't argue with it when you when you pair them with a decent set of you know front right and lefts and a decent amp and a subwoofer it, you know my home theater sounds really really good for for my purposes and most people when they come to my place are pretty shocked at um when i tell them what i spent which i think all in all with the the tv the receiver i guess if you counted all my video game consoles like my xbox one s and you know ps4 pro and all that I don't know. I might be like three grand in or something. I don't know, but um, not not really too bad, all things considered. Now, the big question that a lot of people ask is, you know, 4K is is it is it, should you upgrade to 4K? You know, I think that really comes down to are you are you at a point where you need to upgrade your television? Is your television starting to have problems? Are you going to be buying a new TV anyway? Um, if you're buying a new TV right now, you might as well buy a 4K. But at the end of the day, you know. There's so many other factors that would probably contribute to your enjoyment from your television beyond whether or not it's 4K or not. Um, you know, if you're buying a 4K TV and you're going to get a 50-inch television and you're going to sit 12 feet away, you're not going to be able to see any of the quality improvements, um, you know, on a 4K screen. You know, you can't see pixels or fine details like hair and lint on some guy's shirt. Uh, on a 50 inch screen from 12 feet away anyway. So regardless of whether it's 4K or not, you're probably not gonna notice. Now, HDR is another story. And uh, I've talked about this kind of uh, at length about how much of an impact I think HDR is going to ultimately have on the future of home entertainment. And HDR just looks fantastic. In gaming, in movies, HDR, I wish everything was in HDR. HDR is so much more important than 4K, and you just can't argue with the quality that HDR represents. I mean, it is it is night and day. 
You know, as I said earlier, the Vizio M70D3 is not necessarily the, the top of the line in terms of HDR performance. Um, the Samsungs have a higher peak brightness and um, some other factors that weigh into how HDR looks. However, the Vizio does have a full array backlit display. So it has um, multiple zones where all the LEDs can be completely turned on or off. And this gives you much much darker blacks because the leds are just shut down in certain zones and it really that that has a big impact on the overall performance of the hdr and if you don't watch in a super bright you know sunlit room then um you know then the hdr effect is much more prominent when you're when you're watching it you know in a dimmed sort of theater experience so um, but hdr is just something that you have to see in person to really understand how much better it looks and you would kind of understand right away why hdr is going to make a much bigger um have a much bigger impact on you feeling like you've really taken a step forward into into the future of television. So, um, and that kind of, you know, that's just kind of something that I think a lot of people are really unaware of. They don't really understand what HDR does because it does sound really technical and, and nerdy when you read um, what's going on with, with, you know, how HDR works. But ultimately all you need to know is it makes things look incredible. And the brights are super bright, the blacks look really black, and there's just a huge amount of dynamic range between the highest brights part of the scene and the darkest part of the scene and it just makes things look very very hyper realistic it's it's awesome i wanted to end today with a little bit of a tech story so uh, a couple of months ago i actually found my original nintendo game boy i mean the actual game boy that i like wrote my initials on in black permanent marker so no one would steal it when i took it to school you know uh, 19 i don't know what is that 1989 i think it was maybe um I found it. It's. I don't even know how I've had it for this long. I guess it was. It was thrown in a an old hiking backpack that I had at some point, and it was in one of the little side pockets there. And it's probably been there for a better part of a decade. And so I I recently found it, and it was of course all turned yellow and disgusting, as Nintendo products typically do over time. And uh, I I thought back to some life lessons I, I learned from my my father growing up. So my dad was an engineer, and so. I I had a lot of exposure to the deep inner wor- inner working deep understanding of the inner workings of of technology products. You know, if I if I asked my dad how a toaster worked, you better believe that Saturday we were disassembling that toaster and running through all the different the heating elements and all the different components that made a toaster work, and then he would leave me to figure out how to put it back together. And so uh, if I burned the house down, I was probably going to get grounded. But um, yeah, I mean, my dad would kind of just. He always told me that if you're gonna if you're gonna mess around with electronics, you should probably learn how to you know how they work and how to take them apart and how to put them back together. So um, I learned how to solder at a pretty young age and all that. So you know beyond the the ugly yellow um, discoloration, the uh, the front lens or the the front panel part that covers the screen was all scratched up because back then they used plastic for all that stuff. And uh, the speaker didn't really work anymore. The audio was was really crackly, and I've heard that that's because of bad capacitors and things like that. Um, there was something sticky in the little wheel that controls the volume. I mean, it, it was really it's, it was pretty gross. Um, so I decided to uh, completely take it apart and go through this painstaking process of kind of restoring. And I made it into this fun little project that that lasted uh, a couple of weekends. And um, I was able to get most of the yellow staining off. I replaced the front plastic screen cover with a glass lens. Um, what else? I think I, I replaced some capacitors to get the audio working mostly back to original. And uh, I cleaned all the contacts and you know cleaned all the motherboards inside with uh, you know 
spray and different different tools you use to clean PC boards and all that. And um, I went through that whole process and then put it all back together. And now I have what looks like uh, a brand new uh, Nintendo Game Boy. It looks like I went back in time. And uh, it was a fun little project because it just it reminded me a lot of the life lessons that I learned from my dad growing up about about, you know, why it's important to do things the right way. And so I was very careful and I took pictures of the disassembling process and made sure that I knew where everything would go when I needed to put it back together. And But now I have this fully functioning Nintendo Game Boy and I actually did a YouTube uh, video. I did a video about the whole process and you can see that in the link here in this segment annotation. But it's really interesting firing this thing up and um, I'm, I'm amazed at how well it holds up. I can't tell you how many hours I spent on my Nintendo Game Boy. I, you know, in the video, I talk a little bit about how I, I bought um, this thing without my parents knowing about it. It was a secret little project of mine. I, I did uh, yard work and a bunch of stuff, saving money, and kind of hid it away and didn't tell my parents about it because I wanted to be able to have something that when I got grounded and my parents took my TV privileges away or I wasn't allowed to play um, Nintendo or Sega Genesis, I think at the time was the other thing I had. I wanted to be able to have something that I could play when I was locked in my room, quote unquote, grounded. And uh, yeah, I mean, I put so many hours on this thing. Probably, I would probably say I put more hours in my Nintendo Game Boy than any other console I've ever owned combined. I mean, I, I have so much time. And uh, firing this thing up and playing um, Super Mario Land and some of these other games, what, what memories it brings back. And it's really cool. So my question for you guys is, do you have any tech products out there that you have a sort of an emotional attachment to? Is there any product that you got that was either the first thing you bought with your own money or something that got you through some tough times in your life? I'd be curious to know what kind of strong emotional connections you guys have with any specific tech product from your lifetime. But if you uh, are interested, you can check out the uh, the YouTube video on my Game Boy build process. Um, it was pretty fun to make. It was pretty fun to uh, to do that whole project. And I actually think I'm going to do that with some other um, some other products from my childhood. I might try to go on eBay and hunt down some old beat up um, you know Game Gears or maybe uh, Game Boy Color. I don't know some other products that I used in my childhood that I would want to uh, to see if I could restore them back to looking like pretty close to factory new. Anyway, that's it for the show today. Hunt me down on social media at Gadget Reason, or you can call in or just leave some comments in the conversation button down on the left hand side but otherwise that's it for this episode have a great day i'll talk to you guys on the next one